2 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 5 through 10. This is our text this morning. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfaithful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten what cleansed him from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fail. May God's word rest on our hearts this morning. This morning, as we move from 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John uh, into a new series, I, I debated all week where we would head. What would God have for us in this next uh, season? And it just began to mull and pray to God over the last several weeks, and nothing came to me. And I was like, this is not good as a preacher when nothing good comes. And a lot of things that have happened within the church, God brought me to this passage yesterday. I was telling the deacons this morning, very rarely do I ever sit and stare at a computer screen. And I, I went, this whole week I've been just staring at my computer screen. What would God have for us this morning? And uh, for liter- this is not figuratively, literally yesterday, uh, I get done, I, I, I do a bike ride to kind of clear my head and clear my heart to come engage in God's Word. That's kind of my MO on Saturdays. And then I, I pulled up my computer and sat at my uh, place that I sit to study and sat and stared at the computer for three hours. And I thought, this is bad news for me. It's even worse for the church. Uh, and then we, Jenny and I and our family had uh, a, a dinner with some friends, and I thought, man, I, this is not good. <laughs> like, I've got to leave this place and go have dinner and come back. Uh, And by God's goodness and grace and kindness, about 20 minutes before we were supposed to start getting ready to go to dinner, uh, this passage came to me. And it's one of the few times uh, in my journey with the Lord uh, that pretty much it just, the Holy Spirit took over. And I feel like this message is for us in light of where we're at as a church this morning. And coming out of first and second and third John, you know, we've been talking about these two things: love God and love one another. And there's so many things that Satan, if he's going to attack, he's going to attack one place. It's the unity of the body. He, he's going to attack the unity of the body, because if he can attack the unity of the body, then he can bring division. If he brings division, he brings discourse. If he brings discourse, he brings rupture. If he brings rupture, then, then we will leave each other. And, and Peter is going to say to us this morning, there's a way that we don't have to do that. There's a way that we can keep the body unified. So just for a few moments, I want us to pause and I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I bringing unity to the body or am I bringing division to the body? There is no neutral to the body. There is no, like, in, in, there's no, on this shifter in a car, there's no neutral. You don't sit in neutral. 
You're either moving towards unity or you're moving away from unity. That's our only option. You'll see that throughout Scripture. And Peter's going to address that for us this morning. Let's just pause and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to go together to see this. Maybe in your Bibles it talks about the confirming or the calling of your election. That, what, that, that, what this passage is about is what is it in our lives that is displaying our salvation? What Christ has done for us. It's always going to be amongst the body. Let's just pause and ask ourselves that question that the Holy Spirit would say to us, am I bringing unity or am I bringing division? God, we humbly come this morning before you. We know that Satan would want to take great delight into bringing fractions in the church, and divisions in this church. But God, we pray for unity that can only come through your Holy Spirit that's been given us to us by our salvation that's from you and you alone. So God, I pray that these words are not my words, they're your words, and they would fall onto our hearts and then leak into our hearts. Because God, as they just simply fall onto us and they'll roll off of us and not get into us. So I pray that you crack our hearts open this morning and your word would fill our hearts what you would have for us as a body we pray this in the powerful name of christ jesus our lord that gave his life for us and rose from the dead on our behalf that we could have life eternal with you lead us guide us this morning i pray amen so here's what peter is addressing here in this passage just as a overview he's talking about our salvation and what he says is, in these first few words, in verse 5, he says this in verse 5, for this very reason. What is the very reason that Peter is referring to? You've got to go back to the context of the passage. The context of the passage comes from verses 3 and 4. So I want to say, what is this very reason Peter is imploring to us to make every effort to su supplement our faith? He says this is the very reason. He says his divine power, whose divine power? Christ's divine power has been granted to all of us. So if you're a believer this morning, Christ has imparted his power or granted his power onto us for what? To live a life of godliness. through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So this morning, the, 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 we do these things. He's going to list out these, these seven virtues or these seven qualities, is what he's going to say throughout the passage, especially in chapter 1. There's these seven qualities that will show your salvation. 
But he says this, all these have already been given to you. At the moment of your salvation, God in his kindness, his generosity, his love for you, has given you these seven things. What for? To live a life of godliness. But something must be happening who Peter is writing to that he is saying, hey, there's division that happens in there because of how he ends the virtues. The way he ends the virtues is talking about brotherly affection and love. He doesn't start there, he ends there. Why does he end there? It's because he's going off of what Jesus said himself in the greatest commandment. Love God with all that you have and love others the same way. And so I'm asking us as a church, do we live with brotherly affection and do we love with loving one another? Because if not, you're not living out what you've been given at your salvation. His divine power has been granted to all of us things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he granted us his precious and very great promises that through, through them, those gifts and those promises, you may be what? Partakers in his divine nature. So God in his kindness through your salvation has given you Christ's divine nature. So then we got to ask the question, am I, am I becoming more like Christ or less like Christ? Because God's promise is that he's been giving me these things so that I'd be just like him. I have the divine nature in me. And then Peter says this, and this is where we're going to camp out the next few moments. For this very reason. What's the very reason? A life of godliness. Are you living, am I living as this church, as a body, living a life of godliness today? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. Now Peter says, hey, you've been given this thing called faith. Remember what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 about faith. For by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. And it is not of your own doing. It is a gift from God. What is the gift from God? The gift from God is not the, just the grace, but the gift of God is your faith. You didn't wake up one morning like, man, I got faith. No, God in his sovereignty, his goodness to you, gave you this faith. And you woke up to it. But he's the one that awoke in your hearts to this faith that he gave to you. And now he says, do something with the faith that I gave you. He's saying, I've given you a gift. I want you to do something with the gift. It wouldn't be a gift if you just left it on your, your, your lamps, your, your bedside. Anyone ever gotten a gift and they put it in the closet? I have a lot. Therefore, I don't really treasure the gift that's been given to me. But God's saying, I gave you this gift. I want you to do something with this, the gift I gave you. And now he's saying, this is what I want you to do with the gift that I gave you. Supplement it with these seven things. 
He says now, for this is the very reason, make every effort, do everything you can to supplement your faith. So you've got the faith, but the rest come from you. The rest is up to us. The gift has been freely given. Now he's saying with this gift, I want you to do these seven things. What are the seven things that Peter says we are to do with our faith? He says, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. So what are those seven things? Let's start with the first one. He says, I want you to take this faith. I want you to supplement it with virtue. What is virtue? Virtue simply means this, to have excellent character. It means to have integrity. Do you and do I supplement my faith with integrity? If I have faith and no virtue, I probably don't have faith. Because if God's given me this faith, then it ought to produce in me virtue. It ought to produce in me an excellent character. So do you and I, as you sit here this morning, can you say, with boldness, yes, I'm striving for excellent character. Not only that, he says this, I want you to take this faith with excellent character, and I, then I want you to, to add to it some knowledge. So, so think about this as a recipe. He, he, Peter's going to say, keep adding to this bowl of salad. You start with lettuce, that's not been given to you, that's your faith, now add some things into that salad bowl. The first thing he says is, I want you to add some character. Now he says, I want you to add what? Knowledge. What does knowledge mean? It means seeking to know. It doesn't simply mean I know. It means this ongoing, I want to seek to know. But what is the know that Peter's asking us to keep seeking? The knowledge of God. So is your daily practice, you have this excellent character, but you really want to know the things of God? If you really want to know God, because he's going to tell us when we really get to know God, something's going to change in our life. So do you have excellent character? Are you seeking the things of God today? And then he says this, not only that, I want you to what? Have self-control. That word self-control means to master things. Are you mastering your lips and what comes out of your lips? Gossip. And are you a gossip or are you an encourager? Are you a slanderer or are you uplifting? Do you want to speak the truth or do you want to speak lies? Peter is saying you've got to have self-control. The writer of Proverbs says, out of our lips can come life or come death. Are your lips bringing life or are they bringing death to people, to the body? He says, not only that, as you add virtue and you add knowledge and you add self-control, I want you to what? Add steadfastness. 
What is Peter talking about steadfastness? He's talking about perseverance. How many of us in the church, when things in the church get hard and, and life isn't going the way we want, we just want to bail out? Let's go somewhere else. I promise this, you go somewhere else, you're going to find the same problems because you're going to the church. The church is not the problem, you're the problem. And so am I. Because I'm a sinful human being. Sinful human beings go and do sinful human things. So if you think this is the problem, I promise this place, these four walls are not the problem. You're the problem, I'm the problem. Unless I'm living a place of godliness, then may come a solution to the problem. Do you, do I have steadfastness? Do we have endurance through all the pain? One of my mentors says this about endurance. Do I, do I, am I willing to deal with the pain for something greater than the pain? What's greater than the pain? Unity. Like we're going to have to be steadfast if we really desire unity. Because unity is what's going to change the world. Because what does Jesus say, and I've said it over and over, I'll say it to the day I die. Unity is simply this. By the way that you love one another, what happens? The world knows that you're his disciples. And so if we don't love one another, then the world won't know we're the disciples. If they don't know we're his disciples, then they won't care. But that will come out of us, okay, we're going to persevere. We're going to be steadfast for unity because what we want is to see a lost and dying world come to know Christ. So are we willing to deal with the pain for something greater than the pain, which is called unity, which is called the salvation of the world? And then he says this, not only steadfastness, but in this I want you to have what? Godliness. What does godliness mean? Godliness, what Peter is talking about in this text, is simply this, that you have a devotedness to God. Have you set your affections towards him, your mind towards him? Do you have a devote, devoutness to God? Because if you have a devoutness towards God, then you'll do exactly what he says later, earlier on in First Peter, that you will become holy just like he is holy. But that will only come out of your devoutness for him. You ever hung around someone so much you start talking like them? Am I the only one? Like, you started getting them like, man, where did I pick up that phrase from? Like, where did I pick up that mannerism from? Oh, it's because of who I'm hanging out with. I, I remember moving to Philadelphia. I don't know why they call that place the city of love. Because it's not. But I went with a, a stronger southern accent than I had now. And when I moved there, I, I had to start like, they, they don't call it water there they call it water and i began to like say water like like them I, I remember coming back to the south and my friends making fun of me and i'm like oh man it's because who i started hanging out with and that would be true for us in our godliness you hang out with god long enough you're going to become like god you hang out with jesus long enough you're going to become like jesus What does your godliness look like? And then he says these last two things. He doesn't start with these, he ends with these. 
he says, when you put this, this virtue, this knowledge, this self-control, this steadfastness, this godliness, then I want you to have these two last things. Brotherly affection and love. Now, how come you would say brotherly affection and love? What, how come not one or the other? How come both? You've got to ask the question. Because most of us say brotherly affection is love, and love is brotherly affection. That's not true. What he talks about first is this. Brotherly affection is this. It's affection as a family comes together with long familiarity with deep bonds. You can have love without that. But I promise this, you can't have brotherly affection without love, but you can have love without brotherly affection. And so what Peter is saying is this, hey, are you going to be a family or not? Like, if you think coming to church is this something coming to church for the sake of coming to church, that's not, that's not at all the Bible talks about. What the Bible talks about is that we are a family. Do we have affection for one another? I'm not saying we always like each other. But do we love each other? Do we have brotherly affection for one another? This longing to really be a family. Now, you might not have come from a great family, but what if we became a great family to, to redeem where we come from? That is what the Bible is talking about. Are we a family, family? Are we just a bunch of people that are going to come on a Sunday morning, hear a talking head, and leave here and not really be a family? Because families, when they have this deep bond for each other, they really love each other, and they're willing to contend and fight and encourage and rebuke, like, to be a family. So are you and am I, as this church, willing to be a family? Or do we just want to be a gathering of people? Because when you have a family, you make commitments. And that is the next word that he says. When you have brotherly affection, then you will have love. Love is not a feeling. Everyone know that? Love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment to something. God loved us. He made a commitment to us. And his commitment to us was what? That he would seek and save that which was lost. And he went to extreme lengths to make sure that happened. He loved us, what, unconditionally. He loved us sacrificially. What does Jesus say about this love? One has no greater love than this that he would what? Lay down his life for someone. Do we have that kind of brotherly affection that loves each other, that's willing to lay our lives down for one another? I promise this, if you begin to have that love, that brotherly affection, then your, the gossip will stop. The, 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 the criticism will stop. The pointing of fingers will stop. Because it's like, I, I love you too much to do that. I love you more than myself is what Paul says we ought to do. Do we have this committed love to one another? He goes on to say this. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from what? Being ineffective. Maybe the reason we're ineffective as a church of reaching the loss is because these seven qualities don't really exist in our church. 
are we ineffective at what God set out from the foundation of the world that this church would do? Is that to, to seek and save that which is lost? He says, because if these qualities are in you and you live these qualities out and they're increasing in you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfaithful in what? The knowledge of God. The knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says this. Maybe this is the reason that these qualities lack in you is because you are so nearsighted that you're blind. And what are you blind for? Where's your blindness coming for that you wouldn't have, I wouldn't have, this church wouldn't have virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love? He, he says it in the passage. It's because you've forgotten what he was cleansed from his former sins. Have you forgotten your salvation? If you don't have these seven virtues, Peter is saying, you've probably become so nearsighted that you're blind, and what are you blind to? You're blinded to what God did for you. See, it all hinges on the faith that God gave us, and the faith that God gave us leads us to our knowledge of him. If we don't have more knowledge of him, then we're blind to what he's done for us, are you forgotten what he's done for you? Have you forgotten your salvation? Because if you remember your salvation, then you'll remember this. All of us in this building are the exact same. Sinners that needed God's grace and faith to save us from our sin, no matter what the sin was. But when we don't have those qualities, we begin to prop ourselves up and saying, I'm better than them and they're worse than me. And therefore, you won't have brotherly affection, you won't have love, you'll have judgment, condemnation, and pride. And Peter's saying, don't, don't forget what God did for you. He cleansed you of all your former sins. All of us in this room are the exact same. Let us never forget that. None of us are better than anyone else. We've been cleansed by Christ's blood for our wicked ways. And then he says this, therefore brothers and sisters, family, church, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and your election. What he's saying that be all the more diligent to, to bring about what we've been talking about the last several months, are you really saved? That's the word election. Have you come to know Christ Jesus, your Savior? Confirm that. We confirm that by living out these things. The, the same way the Apostle Peter talks about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of our salvation. Remember, the root of that fruit is your faith. So if you have no faith, you'll never produce those, these things. So now he's saying confirm or let people know the faith that you have by the way you live. Like if I'm living out the gospel, 
I'm living out my salvation. I'm living out my calling. I'm living out what Christ has done for me, the recognition of my sins and Christ's blood and atonement for that. Then I will have virtue. I will have knowledge. I will have self-control. I will have steadfastness. I will have godliness. I will have brotherly affection. And I will have love. He said, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you what? Practice these qualities. If you have them, you've got to practice them. The first thing is, do you have them? And the answer to that is yes, because of your election and your calling. At the moment of your salvation, you were given virtue, you were given knowledge, you were given self-control, you were given steadfastness, you were given godliness, you were given brotherly affection, you were given love. Now do something with those things based out of what was given to you. So practice these qualities so that what? You will never fall. You will never wander from the Lord. If we do these things because we want intimacy with God and we want intimacy with one another, so that we won't fall or go astray from those things. Here's the deal. He'll go on to say in verse 11, though I didn't read it, for in this way there will be, you will be richly provided for you an entrance into eternal life or the eternal kingdom, which comes through our Lord Jesus. But here's the deal with this passage, and here's the crux of this passage for us this morning. You can't do these things, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love alone. You have to do them in community. And you have to do them in a family. My challenge to us this morning is this. Are we practicing our good character with one another? Are we practicing our knowledge and seeking the Lord together? Are, are we texting each other what God is teaching us? Not just coming on a Sunday morning to Sunday school or coming to hear preaching. Like, is, is the knowledge of God, are you talking about what God is teaching you amongst one another? Are you practicing self-control with one another? Are we practicing godliness and devotion to God together? And then the most important too, in my opinion, are this. Are we practicing brotherly affection? Are we, church, developing deep bonds with one another? Like it ought to hurt when someone from our midst leaves us. We ought to feel the pain of that. We ought to weep for that. We ought to cry for that. Because there's such this bond that we have for one another. And then do we have a love for one another, a true commitment to one another? Are we committed to helping one another to become more godly? So that we won't be ineffective 
and we will mature in our walk with Christ so that what? We will see a lost and dying world come to know Jesus. You see, the more you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, the more you won't help but to take that message to lost people. But I ask this question. We brought lost people into our church today. Would they want to stay? Would they feel the unity in this body? Would there be something that would compel them to say, I want the bond that they have? I want that family that they are experiencing. I need that for my life. See, that's what the church is about. The church is not about a talking head on a Sunday morning to preach to you. That is pointless. Unless it's developing a bond and love for God and one another. Is that true for us, church, this morning? Let me pray as Ben comes back.